0: So I've shared this in the past, uh, but when I was growing up, my grandparents purchased the house across the street from us in Rockport. Now, they still own their house in San Antonio, so they were not always there in Rockport, but they would come and they would stay months at a time. And so every time that they were in Rockport, uh, I was able to go and just see them every single day. And so before I would leave for school in the mornings, I would go across the street and I would spend some time with them in the mornings. And of course, the time would come for me to, to leave. And, and inevitably, as I was walking out the door without fail, my grandma would always say these words to me. Remember who you are and act accordingly. Remember who you are and act accordingly. That's right. My Mimi said that. And so she would say this to me. Every single day, she, her desire was that as I was leaving for the day, that I would remember that I was a Christ follower. And so that every single thing that I did, every single thing that I said throughout the day would be reflective of this truth, that I was a Christ follower. That, that as I remembered who I was in Christ, who I was called to be in Christ, that, that I would allow it to impact my words and my actions each and every day. So since the start of January, we have been in a series here at First Baptist Stockdale titled Who We Are. And as we have been walking through this series, we've been looking at the different facets of our mission statement here. We are a community church with a kingdom mission, meaning that we are a community of believers, but we're also located, we are planted right here in the community of Stockdale. And as we recognize that that we are a community of believers planted in the community of Stockdale, we have a mission that is birthed out of God's word and God's kingdom. So I've been giving you this overarching truth for for 11 weeks now. This is the 11th week, and so I'm going to give it to you one last time as a church it is christ who unites us and it is a mission rooted and grounded not in our own ideologies but in his word and in his kingdom that moves us forward in one direction together May that be true of this church today. May that, may that be true of this church tomorrow. And may that be true of this church until Christ returns, that we are united under his leadership, under his authority, and that we are daily on mission for him. And so the, the kingdom mission that this church has adopted here, at First Baptist Church Stockdale, is to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. And so I have intentionally spent these 11 weeks just walking through this series because my desire is that we would remember who we are and that we would act accordingly. That, that each and every day as we recognize and as we remember that we are Christ followers... And as we remember this, this call to love, this call to grow, this call to serve, and this call to go, as we remember this call on our lives, that, that as we go about our day, each and every day, our, our words and our actions would be impacted by who we are, by, by who God has called us to be. Because understand, as believers, we are always on mission for the Lord. As believers, we are always on mission for the Lord. So you may not be familiar with the name Hironazu Tanaka, but you're probably familiar with his work, especially if you're a child of the 80s like myself. So Tanaka is a sound and music composer for video games, and he worked for Nintendo for 20 years. And he composed music and sounds for games like Duck Hunt and Kid Icarus, two games that I am very familiar with, games that I played a lot growing up. And so he he was asked in a recent interview, how do you come up with all of these sounds? How are you so creative to to come up with this, this music and these sounds for these video games? And he responded, he said, it's important to think that I'm always on the job, that I'm always creating, that no matter where he goes, he's always in that mindset of creativity. No matter where he is, he's always thinking about the sounds that he's hearing and how he can apply that to these video games. So as we think about, as we think about who we are as believers, honestly, this is the mindset that, that we should have. That we are always on the job as believers. We are always walking in obedience to the Lord. We are always followers of Christ. We are always on mission for the Lord. So this morning as we wrap up this series, Who We Are, we're going to continue our look. We're going to finish out this series with our look at our call to go one last time. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 27 through 42 today. John chapter 4, 27 through 42. Now as you're turning there, let me set this passage up for you. It was actually back in the fall that we looked at the first half of this passage while I was in that series, The Full Life. And so in the first half of the passage, we see Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. And if you remember last fall, I said, I pointed out that this would have been a controversial encounter for Jesus. This would have been a controversial inter- interaction for Jesus with this woman for a couple of reasons. First, it, it would have just been controversial for for Jesus a man to be talking to a woman out in in the public like this, but but also because this woman was was known for her sin by the rest of the community. And so this would have been very controversial, but but also this would have been controversial because Jesus was a Jew, and this woman was a Samaritan, and, and Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Now, last week, if you remember, I talked about that, that nine-year-old girl, Mary Kate Jesperson, that, that gave her life to Christ, and so she, she decided to give up her birthday gifts and to raise money for the Beach Reach ministry because she loves the beach. And so she wanted people that were at the beach over spring break to be able to hear the gospel that they might come to know the Lord for themselves. But, but as we think about the Jews, the Jews did not love Samaria. In fact, they despised Samaria. They had no desire to go to Samaria, and so they would intentionally walk in, in a different direction so that they could walk around Samaria instead of walking through it. But as we see Jesus, as as we think about Jesus going through Samaria and and stopping to talk with this Samaritan woman, we see how he didn't allow social, cultural, or even geographical barriers to, to prevent him from going to meet with this woman. Because here's the deal. Jesus knew that he was what this woman truly needed. Jesus knew that he was what this woman truly needed. So let me pause right here and ask a couple of questions. First, do you realize that Jesus is what you truly need? Do you realize that Jesus is what you truly need? You don't need more stuff in this world. I, I think sometimes we think we, we need more stuff. We just try and get more stuff and more stuff. But ultimately, stuff won't last and stuff won't satisfy. And so you don't need more stuff in this world You also don't need more good works. Now, good works are, by definition, a good thing. But good works cannot produce salvation. And so what's needed in our lives is not more stuff and it's not more good works because that stuff won't satisfy and those good works won't save. But what we need is Jesus. What we need is Jesus. Jesus is our true need. So do you realize that Jesus is what you truly need? Because Jesus knew that he is what you truly needed. This is why he didn't just go to Samaria. He didn't just stop at a well. He came into this world and he went to the cross. And he did that because that is what we truly needed. Because whether we realize it or not, we have all sinned. And our sin requires death. And so Jesus went to the cross because that is what we needed. We needed Jesus to come. We needed Jesus to die. So do you realize that Jesus is what you truly need? But if you've given your life to Christ, if you have allowed Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you recognize, if you would say, I know that Jesus is what I truly need, then the second question that I would ask is this. Do you realize that, that you have what everyone else truly needs. Mary Kate Jesperson, this nine-year-old girl, she recognized that she had what everyone else truly needed. And so she wanted to give up her birthday gifts so that she could raise money so that the gospel could be shared with others, so that others might hear, so that others might believe, so that others might have what she had received. She knew that she had what everyone else truly needs. And so as we think about Jesus going to meet with this Samaritan woman and not letting anything stop him from from talking with her, from taking to her what she truly needed in him, let me pause and ask one more question. What's stopping you from going? As we think about this call that that we have on, on our lives as believers but also as a church to go, what's stopping you from going? What's stopping you from fulfilling this call on your life to, to take the gospel to all people, to, to share the good news of Jesus with others, that they might come to know him as well? Is it something social? Is it something cultural? Is it something geographical? What's stopping you from going? And maybe, maybe we just need to follow that simple example set for us by Jesus and go regardless. Go regardless, regardless of those social, geographical, and social barriers. There's always going to be barriers, but maybe we need to go regardless. Let's do whatever we can to make sure that we are taking the good news of Jesus to all people in all places because we have what everyone else truly needs. With that in mind, let's read our passage this morning John chapter 4, verses 27 through 42. It says this, just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went into town and told the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about the disciples said to one another could someone have brought him something to eat my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work jesus told them don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest listen to what i'm telling you open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said, and they told the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. So as we look at this passage today, and as we continue continue to consider our call to go, there are three things that I want you to walk away with. First, Jesus knows what's best. Jesus knows what's best. Let's read verses 31 through 34 again. It says, In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Jesus knows what's best. So the disciples, they, they knew that Jesus was tired from their journey, and they knew that, that, that he hadn't eaten anything. This is why they had gone into town. And so as they arrive back with some food, they, they see Jesus, and they're trying to get him to stop working. Just stop for a second and, and eat something. Get, allow for your stomach to be fi- filled. But Jesus wasn't concerned about stopping for a meal which does give me some level of concern because I think this means he wasn't Baptist. <laughs> At least not a good one, right? But here's the truth. Jesus knows what's best. The disciples thought that eating what was, was what was best, but Jesus said, this meal right here isn't what's best right now. What's best is for me to do the will of the Father. What's best for me is to obey the will of God. Understand the will of God is what's best for you and for me. The will of God is what's best for your life and for my life. Now sometimes we may think that we know what's best for our lives. But ultimately it's the will of God that's best for your life and for my, my life. Your own will is not God's best for you. Even your own best is not God's best for you. God's best for you is, is his will. So let me encourage you. Don't, don't miss God's best by settling for what you think is best. Let me say that again. Don't miss God's best by settling for what you think is best. Jesus knew what was best. So he said, I, I'm not, I'm not going to stop for a meal. I'm not interested in eating. My food is to, to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. And the will of God that Jesus came to do, the, the will of God that, that Jesus came to accomplish was an eternally lasting work. Jesus didn't come to simply fill his stomach with a meal Jesus Jesus didn't come for temporary satisfaction. In fact, he he had just finished talking with this woman and telling her that the well that she had been coming to day after day wouldn't satisfy her. But he had something eternal to satisfy her with. He had living water. And so Jesus didn't just talk about this eternal satisfaction. Jesus actually put it into practice in his own life when he says, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not interested in eating. I'm not interested in this temporary satisfaction of food. I want to do something eternal. I'm here to do the will of the Father, and I'm going to be satisfied by only doing the will of the Father. And so the Father's will for Jesus and the disciples was to go. To go through Samaria, to go to this well, to go to this woman. So that she could meet him. So that she could come to know him as Messiah. And so that others would come to know him as the Messiah as well. And so as we think about... God's will, and as we think about Jesus knowing what's best, and as we think about what's best for us is God's will for our lives, understand, God's will for our lives, if we have given our lives to him, God's will is for us to go to go to those who have not heard, to go to those who still need to receive Jesus into their lives. What be, what's best for us is following the example set by Jesus and not to just fill our lives up with temporary things, things that ultimately won't satisfy, satisfy but to, to be in surrender to Jesus and to follow his lead and to, to walk in obedience, to share the good news of, of, uh, of him with others. And here's the reality. When you see someone come to know the Lord, it is eternally satisfying. It is eternally satisfying. So Jesus knows what's best. Second, Jesus offers us a look through his eyes. Jesus offers us a look through his eyes. Let's read verses 35 through 38 again. It says, don't say there it says, don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest. Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Jesus offers us a look through. His eyes. So, a couple of years ago, my mom had cataract surgery in both of her eyes. But after the, the first surgery, after she had just done the work done on the one eye, when she got home, she went into the bathroom, and she turned the light on, and she paused, and she asked my dad, did, did you put a newer, brighter bulb in this bathroom? Which he hadn't, but, but all of a sudden, she was seeing more light in this bathroom. She was seeing the same bathroom that she had seen time and time again. And yet for the first time, she was seeing it differently. Different than she had ever seen it before. So I've already mentioned that the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Because of intermarrying with those that were outside of their faith, the Jews saw the Samaritans as half-breeds. And so they didn't like them. They didn't interact with them. But but what Jesus does in this moment with the disciples is is he invites them to look at the Samaritans, the same Samaritans that they had seen time and time again, and he invites them to see them different than they had ever seen them before. Jesus says, look, see what I see. Don't just see them as Samaritans. Don't just see them as people that you don't like. Don't just see them as half-breeds. See them as the harvest." And so Jesus knows this truth. How we view someone will impact how we respond to them. How we view someone will impact how we respond to them. So when I was growing up, uh, my family and I, we went to Florida to go to Disney World and Universal Studios. And one of those mornings as we were entering the park, right as we entered the park, uh, a lady came up to me dressed as Lucille Ball, uh, a lady as a character Lucille Ball, she came up to me, got really close to me and said, hi sweetie. Now I didn't realize at first that this was a character that was dressed up. As she came up and got up in my face I just thought she was some random weirdo. Uh, and, and I was like social distancing lady, right? Six feet apart, stay away. So. So she comes up to me, and she says hi to me, not realizing that she's Lucille Ball. I immediately wanted to turn and head the opposite direction. I wanted to get away from her. But when I looked at her, and I realized who she was, when I realized that she was this character dressed as Lucille Ball, I didn't want to turn and head the opposite direction. I wanted to head right towards her. How we view someone will impact how we respond to them and so Jesus invites the disciples to, to see the Samaritans uh, not the same way that they've ever seen them before he invites them to see them differently he invites them to see them as the harvest and to have a different attitude that they wouldn't still have the same attitude of, of let's turn away from them and head the opposite direction but, but as they would see them as the harvest that they would want to turn right towards them and head in their direction because the harvest was ready. So let me pause right here and ask a very pointed question. Who do you need to see differently today? Who do you need to see differently today? Because how we view someone will impact how we respond to them. So who do you need to see differently today? We view people through, through many different lenses. We might view them through the lens of economics, whether they are poor or rich we might view them through the lens of politics whether they're democrat or republican we might view them through the lens uh, of personal experience whether they've helped us or hurt us whether it's a they're a good boss or a bad boss whether they've been a good neighbor or a bad neighbor what lens are, are you seeing people through And let me remind you that just as Jesus invited the disciples at that time to see people differently, to see them through his eyes, Jesus is inviting us to see people differently today as well. He's inviting us to see them through his eyes, to see them through the lens of the Father's heart. So who do you need to see differently today? And if you're struggling to see some people through through any other lens other than through the lens of Jesus' heart, if you, if you are, are still viewing people through one of these other lenses, then let me encourage you to simply ask Jesus, would you let me see these people through your eyes? Would you let me see them as the harvest? So Jesus invited the disciples to see the Samaritans differently, but he also invited the disciples to see themselves differently. So uh, as, as they look out as the Samaritan pe- at the Samaritan people through the lens of, of Jesus' heart, through the lens of the Father's heart, as, as they begin to see these people not simply as half-breeds, but as they begin to see them as the harvest, Jesus, Jesus tells them to look at themselves differently too. He says, don't just see yourself as a Jew. Don't just see yourself as a pure breed. Don't even just see yourself as one of my disciples see yourself as a sower and a reaper and just as as jesus invited the disciples to see themselves as sowers and reapers if you've given your life to christ then this is an invitation for you and me as well that we would see ourselves as sowers and reapers and we see such a valuable truth in verse 37 it says for in this case the saying is true One sows and another reaps. So many times as we think about this call that we have on our lives to go and to share the good news with others, sometimes it can be discouraging because as we go and as we share the gospel, as we tell people about Jesus, naturally our desire is that they would hear, that they would believe, and that they would give their lives to Christ in that moment. Sometimes that happens, and man, it is a a joyous time, a time of celebration when that happens. But there are also many times that we we are faithful in going, we are faithful in sharing, but as the people here, they don't respond in that moment. And so as we get discouraged, it can be easy for us to just decide, you know what, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to share anymore. And so we simply just... Give up. We simply stop sharing. But Jesus says here with the harvest, there aren't just reapers, there are sowers as well. And understand, in order for there to be a harvest, in order for, for there to be something to reap, there must be seeds planted. There must be a sower. So let me encourage you today. If you have ever been discouraged because you have shared and and there has not been a response in that moment to the gospel that that person didn't come to christ let me encourage you don't allow that to prevent you from sharing don't allow that to prevent you from sowing those seeds but continue to sow continue to be faithful and sharing because even though that person may not have been ready at that moment to give their life to the Lord there may come a day that they are ready there may come a day that that seed blossoms in their life and now they are ready to be harvested you see there is no there is no harvest apart from the sower and so We see this, Jesus says the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. So when I was in Watauga, uh, there was a a young man that grew up with me in the children's ministry. I was his children's pastor, and then I I became the youth pastor. And so he was in the youth ministry with me. His name was Aaron. And and so I knew because he was in the children's ministry and then in the youth ministry with me, I knew that he had not yet given his life to Christ. And so one Wednesday night, uh, I, I pulled him aside, and I just shared the gospel with him one more time. And I asked him, are you ready to give your life to the Lord? And he said, I believe what you're saying is true, but I'm not ready to give my life to the Lord yet. And I said, well, I'm going to keep praying for you that that day will come. And so so every Wednesday night he would show up to church and I would say, is tonight the night? Is tonight the night that you're going to give your life to Christ? He'd show up on Sunday morning, is today the day? Are you going to give your life to Christ today? So as, as time would move on, ultimately, I got called to be the pastor here at this church, and, and I didn't get to see him come to Christ while I was there. But two or three weeks after being the pastor here, I got a phone call from the youth pastor that I had trained and that replaced me. And he said, i got to tell you something. We're at youth camp right now. And Aaron just prayed to receive Christ. And so on that phone that night, he and I, the youth pastor that, that was able to pray with him that night, the youth pastor and I, we were able to rejoice together. The sower and the reaper were able to rejoice together because there was a harvest to be harvested. Don't allow, when, when people don't respond, don't allow that to, to discourage you, to prevent you from sharing. Because there is no harvest apart from... The sower. So Jesus knows what's best. Jesus offers us a look through his eyes. Finally this morning, Jesus is worth sharing. Do you know that? Jesus is worth sharing. So at the start of chapter 4, this Samaritan woman, she, she has this encounter with Jesus. He, he tells her things about her life that, that, that only he could know. And, and, and he tells her he's got something better for her. He claims to be the Messiah, and he gives her living water. And and so what we find out as we continue reading that this encounter with Jesus isn't the end of the story. Because in verse 28, we're told, The woman left her water jar, went into town, and told the people. Then verse 39 tells us, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. Jesus is worth sharing. This woman, she tasted this living water. She received that living water into her life, and she immediately turned around and began giving this living water back out to others. And I want you to to see this. Where did she go first? Where did she start sharing? Right there in her own community, right there in her town, right where God had planted her. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Where God has you is where God wants to use you. Where God has you right now is where God wants to use you right now. That doesn't mean that God won't take you someplace else to use you someplace else later on. But where God has planted you right now is where God wants to use you right now. And so as we we think about where God is calling us to go... We are absolutely called to go into our state, into our nation, into around the world. But understand, the starting point for where we are called to go is right here in our own community. Right here in our own town. Right where God has planted us. And so every week as we walk out those back doors, we're not simply being sent out to live our our lives only to return the next Sunday. We are being sent out on mission to take the good news of Jesus out of this place and to share it with others. And let me tell you, Jesus is worth sharing. But now I want you to see what happened following her willingness to go into the community. Verse 42 tells us that this is what the, the community said. We no longer believe because of what you said since we have heard for ourselves and know that this is really the Savior of the world. You see, there was this initial belief that occurred from this woman's testimony. But then their faith became personal. They didn't just believe because of what she had said. Now they had experienced Jesus for themselves. So let me pause right here and ask, have you experienced Jesus for yourself? Have you tasted Jesus? that living water, and receive that living water into your own life? Has Jesus become something, not just, not just that you have heard me talk about, not just that you've heard others talk about, but has Jesus become someone that you know personally, that you have a relationship with him? Have you experienced Jesus for yourself? And if you have experienced Jesus for yourself, if you've given your life to him, then I would ask, are you going Are you sharing? And here at First Baptist Stockdale, we are going to be committed to going. We are going to be committed to sharing. We are going to be committed to this call on our lives as disciples and as a church because this is who we are. Now, as we wrap up this series, I want to ask this question one more time. Have you experienced Jesus for yourself? And if you have not experienced Jesus for yourself, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here today and you would say, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've heard about Jesus, but I've never experienced Jesus for myself. But today I've heard that he died for my sins, and I want to experience Jesus. I want to be eternally satisfied by him. And so you're ready to to surrender to the Lord today. If that's you, then as we sing, I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. Would you step out of your seat? Would you come and join me down here? Let's talk and pray. Today can be the day of your salvation. And maybe you're here today and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. And so today, you want to make that commitment to be baptized. There, there are some that have given their lives to Christ that have never, never made that public profession. Understand, we don't get baptized to save us. We get baptized because Jesus has already saved us. And so if you've been saved by Jesus, but you haven't taken that step, to publicly profess Jesus as Lord through baptism, then respond today. Let's talk, let's pray. We can make that commitment together today. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say, I've given my life to Christ and I have been baptized by immersion already. And and I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. And, And as we have talked for the last 11 weeks about who we are, you know that God's calling you to be a part of this church body, to join us on this mission together as we reach out into this community into our state this nation and beyond if god's calling you to connect your life with this church body then i would invite you to respond as well whatever it is that god's calling you to do today in these final moments i would encourage you to respond obediently would you stand with me right now and let's go to the lord in prayer together thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast at the end of every service i offer an invitation to respond and i'd like to invite you to respond today if you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.